Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. So I want to encourage you today, as we go through some of the things that we're going to talk about, just ask the Lord, hey Lord, what are some areas that you're highlighting in my life? What are some things, as we pull out these nuggets out of the scripture, remember we're asking for God to speak, because none of you came here to hear me speak, okay? We're here to hear God speak. We're saying, God, what are some of the nuggets? And I want to take us to the early church. In the early church, in the New Testament church, you know some of the story. Jesus ascends into heaven, the Holy Spirit gets poured out, and boom, it's insta-church. And there's thousands of people, what are we doing? And they, they started forming together, And in the book of Acts, it records this in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm going to key in on the ESV for those of you that are following along. If you don't have a a, a Bible or anything that's cool, we got a big one up here. Uh, It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So they devote themselves. And then it says, all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. Uh, They shared everything. They were so generous. Some of them were so generous, they literally sold properties and said, hey, I'm going to bring the property. I'm going to bring the money that I sold from this massive house sale of my house down in Corona Del Mar, and I'm actually going to bring it to Authentic Church. Hey, guys, let's distribute it to whoever has need. Like, that's what was happening, okay? And it says, so they're selling their possessions, and next scripture, next verse, and they're giving it to those who need. And day by day, they attended the temple together and broke bread in their homes. And they were receiving their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. I want to pause for just a second. They received it with glad, and and, and the the generosity was so um, extravagant there. Now, mind you, most of them, when they came to Jesus, uh, they got rejected from their family if their family didn't come with them to Jesus. So these are Jewish people, Jewish families, and they're coming and they're realizing, wow, the Messiah that we've been praying for, that we've been believing for, he, he actually came and he rose and, and now he ascended into heaven. Like this really happened. And so they left um, the, the, the quote unquote norm of the culture of that day and there was this new branch. And some were like, man, you guys have lost your minds. That Jesus guy that we crucified, like you've, you've lost your mind, you're following after him, you're crazy. Some of them, they wouldn't be able to buy or sell in the marketplace. <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen, but that might in the next year, okay? But some of them were not allowed to buy or sell in the marketplace. Some of them, uh, they weren't allowed to go to family dinner anymore. Try wearing that one, right? And so day by day, but despite that, they would get together in the temple, and then they'd break bread, bread in their homes. And then Acts chapter 5 uh, says, Every day they spent time in the temple, and in one home after another. So picture it, they're leading in, they're, they're, they're meeting in small groups, like we are today. They're having a gathering on a Sunday, right? And they're, and they're, they're meeting in small groups in the home. So the large gatherings was a time of worship and prayer and adoration, and then the small gatherings uh, were more for growth and community. And so just like the New Testament church here at Authentic Church, we're launching connect groups that are going to meet in homes. 
and there's two different types of connect groups. Some of them will be like a growth group. Okay, the growth group would be like spiritual, personal development, etc. So spiritual development, like men's Bible study on Wednesday morning. Where were my men at? Some of the men that have come out with on Wednesday mornings. Uh, we meet for a Bible study at 7 a.m. over at Dick Church's across the street for some good greasy spoon breakfast. All right. Um, some of the ladies get together on Thursday nights for an amazing jump into the Book of Revelation. Which, if you didn't meet the first one, I heard it, got a bunch of the download from my wife, and it sounds amazing. I'd encourage you, ladies, be there on Thursday night. So there, there's the spiritual growth, and then different type of connect group was also a community group. Communities groups is just like we're just getting together, like Gabby's group, rolling with Jesus, right? She's going to go rollerblading with people, whoever wants to go, the Great Park or down at the beach, whatever. That's just building community. The fun thing that happens in the course of this that we also see in the, in the New Testament church is when they would gather together to read the scriptures to grow in God, guess what would happen? they'd build community. When they'd gather together for community and they would just have a time of fellowship, guess what would happen? They'd actually start having some spiritual growth. So that's a beautiful model that we see that's outlined in the scriptures. It's nothing we came up with. It's something we're just kind of unpacking from the Holy Scriptures. And so um, I want to encourage us today, the whole message is going to be basically about our connect groups today, and I'm making a case, a charge to you to get involved in a group. Um, this isn't so much a, a message per se, uh, like, hey, we're going to open the Bible and we're going to learn some stuff. Uh, this, this, this to me really is just like, it, it's my heart gushing out today. Uh, because I've gone through, I've, I've lived this Christian life long enough to see people that started strong. And man, they ended in just a, you know, smoke and dust. And they blew up their families in the process. And they lost everything they had. I've seen people start strong and not end well. And I don't want that to be said of us. I want us to be a people that start strong and, man, we end strong. And when Jesus comes, he's going to know who he's coming for. We're going to be easy to be spotted, right? And, uh, you know, some people think that the Bible is just like all about sin and, and getting rid of sin and everything. And there is a strong aspect of that for sure in the Bible. But it's, and it's really about our relationship with God and and. and in fact, the per first problem outlined in the scriptures actually was not sin. The first problem that we see in the book of Genesis is solitude. God creates everything, right? And then in Genesis 2, sin doesn't enter until Genesis 3. In Genesis 2, God creates everything. And what does he say? He says, I've, I've created everything, but you know what? I see this man that I've created, and it's not good for him to be alone. And in the last... 18 months of 15 days to slow the spread, <laughs> there's been a lot of people that have realized it's not good for me to be alone. Everything that, that we've been trying to prevent, it's, it's gotten worse on the other end, and it's way up and to the right. It's way up and to the right in terms of suicide, depression, drinking, domestic violence, all these different aspects that, that have been uh, catalytic from us spending time alone. We need each other, right? Even the phrase social distancing, I hate that phrase. There's nothing social about you and I being distant from each other. We need community, right? We need to come together. We need an atmosphere like this. I need an atmosphere like this every week in my life. My family needs an atmosphere like this every week in our life where we can come together with like-minded believers that are hoorah freedom fighters, right? You need a community like this where you can get together every week, but it can't just be here. 
So Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes 4.8. So remember, Solomon writes the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. That's when he's in right relationship with God. Then uh, he, he really liked women and he really liked wives and he had hundreds of them, okay? Not a good idea. And he has, he has this time where he's looking back in life in Ecclesiastes. So when he's right with God, he writes the book of, of wisdom in Proverbs. When he falls out of right relationship with God and has sin in his life, he ends up by the Holy Spirit actually through that time. He's looking back going, wow, this is not good. In fact, Ecclesiastes 4.8 says, there was a man all alone. He's talking about himself. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. That word toil means to excessively work. Some of us, we can work. We can put our heads down, blinders on. We can gut it out. We're hard workers. We're diligent. We're make it happen. And some of us, that can become all-consuming. And I don't want you to have the regret that Solomon did where he's like, Man, this is worth nothing. What did I do with my life? I don't want us to get to the end of our lives and look back and have a bunch of shoulda, wish, wished I coulda, and I didn't. I want us to get to the end of our lives and be like, man, God did this, and God did this, and he said this, and I went here, and this happened, and then that happened. I want to see a parade of miracles in my life and in your life. I want to see your kids uh, growing up in the house of the Lord. Um, some people in the room are, 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 are carrying a child like Min and Hannah are, and they're blessed and pregnant and so beautiful. And when they came to our church, they actually had gone previously to a Korean church all their life. And then they moved to Irvine, and they, they said, you know what, we want to find an English-speaking church so that, for the one reason, when we have coworkers in Irvine, that don't speak Korean, I can't take them all the way up to Los Angeles to my Korean church. So I'm gonna find an English-speaking American church that I can bring my coworkers in for the sole purpose that they can get saved and discipled and grow. That was the reason that I came here. And then I told them, you know, because it's customary, all of you know this, but in an American church, I told them coming from a Korean church, an American church, it's customary, you name your first child after your pastor. So... <laughs> So they're pregnant with a Jafonda. <laughs> but we need each other. All right, we need each other. Back on track, back on track. We need each other. So Jesus, Jesus. Uh, so this is the book of Acts that we just read, right? We, we went through the book of Acts. We talked about how the church is meeting together. They gather in the temple for corporate worship like we're doing today. And then they would go from house to house. And the Lord was adding to their number daily. So pause there. I want to bring you back a little bit in the story before the book of Acts was lived out and written. Jesus has his last week of life. And his last week of life, it kind of culminates with what we, we know now as the Last Supper, right? They're celebrating Passover. So Jesus is spending time celebrating Passover with his disciples. And, uh, and, and, and John, the Gospel of John, takes into account and spends five chapters breaking down the conversations that happened that night all through the evening, through the betrayal, through going away and praying to the moment that he was um, then approached by the soldiers. John takes five chapters, the other gospels, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they only spend a few paragraphs on what John spends five chapters outlining. And in each one of these five chapters, Jesus drops this truth bomb, this nugget 
of what you and I need in having relationship and connected with. So I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna let the Bible speak for itself today. I'm just gonna highlight some stuff. But Jesus gives us five amazing principles from his word. And the first thing what happens, so that night as they get together, some of you know the story, they get together and they're, they're, they're sitting down, they're coming for dinner, and Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now, it was customary back then that when you go to somebody's house, there would be a, a host or an attendant or a family member that when you walked in as a guest, then we'd, we'd wash your feet to get the dust off of you. And it wasn't more so um, uh, necessarily from like a, a, a hygiene perspective as much as it was um, from uh, just being a good host perspective. So, for instance, like if you came over to my house, I'd give you a hug. Uh, hey, can I take your coat? We'll hang your coat up for you. That's kind of like what washing your guests' feet looked like. And so they would get together. And so Jesus, there's no host that's doing that. So Jesus took it upon himself like a good leader, a good servant leader. He says, I'll do it. And so they're in, in dinner. He gets up, and he actually takes his outer robe off, and he grabs a towel and ties a towel, and he gets a water. And the guys are kind of watching because, I mean, Jesus always taught them something, right? And he did things that were a little bit unique. So they're kind of just sitting watching what's the master doing. And he comes over with a wash basin, and he begins to wash their feet. And it made them feel uncomfortable. In fact, the disciple Peter, it made him feel so uncomfortable that in John 13, 8, Peter says, uh, no, 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 you, you, I, I can't have you do that. I, I can't have you wash my feet. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with this. Now, mind you, for three and a half years, they've been walking, spending time together. They're, they're having guy time. They're outdoors, man. They're camping. They're cooking over fires. Um, they've probably showered together in the Sea of Galilee, right? They, they've had times where they washed their clothes together. They sat around the fire together. But for whatever reason, this moment of the master coming down and washing his feet, serving him in that level of intimacy, made Peter feel uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when somebody gets in my business, when they see my cracks, my ugliness, when they smell the stink in my life, on my toes, okay? I don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. And, and Peter's like, I, I, don't want you, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to smell those smells. I, I, don't want, I, I don't want you to do that, Lord. And Jesus stops him. He says, you don't understand what I'm doing. He says, unless I wash you, then you have no part with me. I think of that. Unless, three and a half years you've been discipling me, if, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have any part. You, you're, you're not getting what I'm trying to give you in this moment. And so in, in, in chapter 13, what the first principle that we see outlined, the first nugget uh, in these conversations, the first, first of five points for you awesome note takers, first of five points is I need people who will care for me. I need people who will care for me. Uh, on the day when I can't take care of myself, I need you to take care of me. On the day when I don't feel like getting up and preaching, I need you to grab the mic. <laughs> in the day when I don't know if I can pray, I need you to pray. Uh, in the day when I, I don't know, when, I, when I'm sick in my body or whatever, I need you to help me with my family. I need you to care for me. We all need people in our lives to care for us. 
in John 13, 12 through 15, it says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. And he said, do you understand what I've done for you? He goes, you call me teacher and Lord, and, and, and rightly so, for that's, that's what I am to you. Now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, then you should also wash one another's feet. I, I'm giving you an example. This is, this is what I, I, I want you to do, that you care for others the way that I'm caring for you. That's what Jesus is saying. And some of us have a hard time receiving care, but we're really good at giving care. Some of us, we're like, man, Johnny on the spot, if you need something, man, I'm there. But when I need something, man, I don't want to make this call. I don't want to send this text. I don't want to ask for help. I can do it. I don't need any help. And where does that get us? <laughs> right? Where does that get us? We, as a body, my prayer for us is that we would be good caregivers and care receivers. Amen? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 says, it's better to have a partner than to go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If one of you falls, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, man, that's tough. <laughs> In other words, that sucks. If you're all alone, man, and you got a flat tire and there's nobody you can call, you don't got AAA, man, that's a crappy place to be on the side of the 101, right? You know, like, you know, we need people that can help us. Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who who mourn. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Meaning, so what's it saying there? It means, man, if you're hurting, I'm hurting. If you're having a tough day, I'm going to come alongside you. Uh, if, if you're going through loss, man, I'm, I'm going to sit with you in the pain of that loss. If you're experiencing joy, like, man, celebrating. We went out last night. We have some good friends of ours that are in town visiting from the nation of Arizona. One stayed over, uh, Jerry and Colleen Morgan, some good friends of ours that are sitting in the back. And, uh, and, and just hearing all that God is doing in their life, like, it just stoked me, man. Like, it just, I, I, Fawn and I, we were talking about you behind your backs last night after we got home, and I was just like, man, like, I was so encouraged hearing the stories of faith and what God's been doing. We need people like that, and, and when that happens, we need to celebrate with them, right? So we come together. We're, we're going we're gonna to rejoice with you. If one of you suffering, man, we're all suffering. One of you succeeding, man, we all cheer you on. That's awesome, right? You know, before uh, our one-year anniversary that was just a, a month ago, I can't even believe it's been one year since we first started meeting as a church. And, um, and I was praying, heading into that Sunday, you know, and, 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 and I love, you know, I'm, I'm all about getting a download and having a moment with God. And, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say to our church? You know, what do you have for us? Like, you know, we've been around now for a year since, since we, you know, kind of put big boy pants on and we started meeting on a Sunday morning, right? We started at the beach and then we went to a park and then we went to a hotel and then we got moved into this beautiful facility here at Vanguard University. God, what do you have for us? And I heard the word storm shelters. <laughs> like storm shelters, storm shelters. And the thought was this, um, you know, I, I, my wife and I, we moved from Texas. And in Texas and in, in, throughout the South, you have two different storms that you really gotta be aware of. There's hurricanes <laughs> and then there's tornadoes, okay? Hurricane, you know that hurricane's coming for like a week in advance, right? And they name it, I don't know how they name it, but they name it. Hurricane Fred is ripping through, board up your windows. And so you can see it coming from a far off distance. Man, a hurricane's coming. But then there's a tornado. And when that tornado siren hits, 
and it freaks you out at three o'clock in the morning and you're in your bed and you wake up to lightning exploding in your backyard and your house is shaking and the thunder and the wind and the rain is just pounding and you're getting your kids and huddling inside at the most interior wall at your house, just freaked out if there's gonna be, like, you're like, I wish I had a storm shelter. We had to go into a storm shelter one time. Our kids were like, it's so fun. I'm like, this is not fun. Okay. <laughs> It's fun if there's no tornado. <laughs> it's fun to make believe. It's not fun when there's a real tornado that's about to touch down or has touched down and is coming our way, right? And in life, there's, there's, we go through difficult stuff. Nicole shared it this morning. Um, you know, everybody goes through something. Everybody's going to go through something. We're not promised a life that's free of trials. Jesus just said, I'm going to be with you through it, right? And so when those trials come, sometimes you can see them coming in the distance like a hurricane. Sometimes it's like, this has been brewing for a while. I can kind of see this. I've been dealing with this or this sickness or whatever. This is a hurricane. It's been coming. And then there's a tornado moment where it's like, boom. And it just, and for us as a church, we want to have storm shelters set up where, man, you know, you need something close by. You need someone with 10 to 15 minutes away from you where you're like, I need to drop my kids off. This just happened. We need each other. We need people in our lives. All right. Chapter 14. I'm going to skip ahead here. Chapter 14, Jesus keeps the conversation going, right? So uh, in chapter 13, we need, we need to care for one another. In chapter 14, uh, number two, for you guys that are taking notes, number two is, I need people who will encourage me. I need people who will encourage me. Jesus said in John 14, 1, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You, you've believed in God. I'm asking you now. Guys, I need you. Believe in me. Believe in me. Jesus is saying this. He is feeling so much pressure. Yeah, he's fully God, but he's fully man. And he's feeling so much weight and pain to the point where he's sweating blood. And he's saying, guys, I need you to believe in me. We need people that are going to believe in us, that say, hey, you know what? You're doing better than you think you are. You're going to make it. I know it feels like you're not going to make it through this season. You're going to make it. You're, you're going to make it through that situation. You're going to make it through that financial hardship. We need people that will encourage us. I know it's rough right now, but as bad as you may feel you have it at different times, you know, there's probably six billion people on this planet that would be willing to trade places with you in a moment. You're blessed. We are blessed. And we need people that remind us and encourage us. You know, for me, um, growing up, I had some good friends and I had some uh, times, uh, seasons in my life where it's like my phone wasn't ringing and I wasn't going out. I had made a decision not to go out and go partying with the boys anymore. And it, it was funny. Uh, my phone calls got less and less and the boys got less and less in my life, you know. And you're just kind of like, man. And I just made the decision in my late teens, you know what, I'm going to be the friend that I wish I had. I'm going to be that friend that calls a person out, that shoots an encouraging text. I'm going to be the friend that invites you over to my house for dinner. I'm going to be the friend that says, hey, what are you doing on Friday night? Let's go out. I'm going to be that guy. I'm not going to wait for my phone to ring. I'm going to ring your phone. I'm going to blow your phone up. I'm not going to wait for the pastor to go and visit that person. I'm going to go visit them. In fact, I remember my wife and I, when we helped with a, a church in, in, in Ventura, California, that we were uh, part of the, the pastoral team with, and, um, and we just, we didn't have a lot of money at that time. We had gone through a really rough patch financially uh, that we brought on ourselves <laughs> through some dumb investment decisions. Uh, we're going through a rough patch, and, and, uh, and, and I remember just like, you know what, we're, we're going we're gonna to be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
So we, we didn't have much money, but we would tuck a $20 bill in a purple envelope, and, uh, and we would just pray in the back of the church, Lord, who do you want me to give this to? Who's in need today? We had a lot of people in our community that were in need, and I would just tell the usher, I said, you can't tell them who this came from, but that person right there, can you just hand it to them? And they'd hand it to them. I didn't wait for the pastor to do that. I didn't wait for the pastor to invite people over out to lunch or whatever. I just, I'd greet people like we greeted this morning, and then at the end of service, I remember turning around to one guy, and I said, hey, bro, do you got any plans for lunch? It was his first time at the church. He's like, no. I'm like, why don't you come to lunch with my family? I'm like, okay. He's like, cool, yeah, totally. I'm like, you know, we're serving up mac and cheese and hot dogs, okay? So, but, but when you're a single guy and you're hungry, you don't care. So he came, right, and, and got to be part of that guy's life and see him get married and his, him and his wife have a baby now. I mean, and he's planted in church. Like, I, I love that, you know? Don't wait for other people to do what God has equipped you to do. You be the hands and feet. You invite them out. You encourage that person, right? Hebrews 13, 13 gives us this challenge, says, encourage one another daily, every day. We all need encouragement every day. So maybe take a moment once a day and just fire off somebody an encouraging text. Be the friend that you always wished that you had. Number three, in John chapter 15, John 15 gives us this, this third principle. And this third principle that Jesus outlines here is, is that I need people who will partner with me. I need people that will partner with me. John 15, verse four through five says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You must remain in the vine. You can't bear fruit apart from me. If you, bear, if you, if you remain in me and I in me, you're gonna bear fruit. Apart from me, goose egg, right? Apart from Jesus, man, my best doesn't look that good. I need him. Jesus tells his disciples, partner with me in what I'm going through right now. I'm asking you. And for us in this room, as a church body, as authentic church, we need to partner with each other. In the season that's coming upon us, I wanna encourage us, support each other's businesses. There's businesses represented in this room. I know Eric does video stuff and movies, and it's awesome. I know Jody Crana has Crana Pastries that's blowing up in Gelson's and all over the place. And, and, and some of you work in businesses. I know some people have a mechanic shop. Some people do marketing and social media. Some people, you know, you, you'll know about a job opportunity that's happening at your company where you're like, man, so-and-so would be perfect for that job. Pick up the phone, shoot them a text. Don't wait for that to go out to Craigslist or LinkedIn or Indeed. Let's support the body. Let's partner with each other and support each other in this room. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 2.10. I read this the other day. I, I never viewed it this way in, in, in researching and preparing. Um, this just jumped out at me. It says, uh, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. He didn't say for you, and he didn't say for I. He said, for we are his workmanship. One thing that's awesome about us coming together as a church is that when each of us does a little bit, does a little bit of encouraging, loving, helping, giving, serving, etc., man, together we do a lot, right? And that's just everybody, that's the beauty of coming together. So that, 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 that third area is partnering with each other. Okay, so quick review for the note takers that are scribbling or typing fast or whatever. Chapter 13 was 
caring for each other. Chapter 14 was we need to encourage each other. Chapter 15 was serving with each other. And chapter 16 is the fourth principle, and it's really, really needed. Protect each other. Protect each other. John 16, verse 1, Jesus says, All this that I've told you, I'm telling you this so that you guys don't go astray. Because he knows what's coming. (laughs) And he's trying to encourage them. Stay together, guys. You're a cadre, right? You're you're a force to be reckoned with when you're together. If you're off just by yourself, Satan's going to pick you off, man. But when you come together, man, there's strength in that. So I'm telling you this so that you don't go astray. Uh, astray in the Greek, Greek uh, is scandalizo. Sound familiar? <laughs> Scandal, right? In other words, it's saying, I'm watching over you so that your life doesn't end in a scandal, all right? For me personally, I don't want my name in the paper unless I took the, out the ad, right? You know, I, I, like, like, you know I, I need guys that cover my back, and I gotta tell you, I'm gonna cover yours, as the pastor of this church, I'm going to stand for you, man. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to fight for your freedoms. I'm going to fight, fight for our opportunity, our right to be able to gather as a church. I'm going to fight for your families. I'm going to fight for your marriages. I'm going to fight for you if you're going through a time financially. We're going to sow into you and bless you. You know one of the beautiful things that I got to see as a pastor of this church last year? This church, as a church plant, a new church, you guys were so generous in benevolence offerings last year. You guys gave over $15,000 to families in need in our community right here. It's beautiful. Some got behind in rent. Some didn't have money for groceries. They experienced a lack. Some of them, they got laid off of their job because of the whole COVID crazy. And, but it took three weeks because of the paperwork, so they didn't have a paycheck like they expected it to come, and three weeks goes by, and they're like, what are we doing? And you guys stepped up to the plate. Man, I love that. Like, that's just awesome. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two stand back to back and conquer. Back to back, back to back. So, so I got your back and you got my back. And it says, hey, and if you can add a third dude in there, man, even better, right? So I got your back, you got my back, I got another person, the three of us together, man, you can't break that. Like, come at me, bro. Like, you know, you you ain't gonna be able to touch us. We need to stand together. One of the beauties of being in a connect group is that we get protection. Guys on on Wednesday mornings that meet with me, I know you got my back. And I got your back, right? You ladies that get together on Thursday nights, ladies, especially those ladies, man, there's some praying ladies in this church. You, got, you ladies got each other's backs, right? Come on. Cycling group on Saturdays with Justin, you really got each other's back because all those crazy guys that are driving and texting at the same time, you're like, watch out for <laughs> Jesus came up with this, all right? This isn't us. This isn't a great sermon from Jeff or anything like that. Jesus is giving us an outline through John 13, 14, and 15, in 16, and we need each other. You know, John Wesley, he, he uh, founded the Methodist movement. And the Methodist movement, they, they, they actually didn't name it themselves. They were called that because there was methods to how they did things. And so they, they call it, it was actually a negative connotation from some of the more religious, spiritual people. They call them, you're a Methodist, you have a method. And John Wesley had these t- list of 22 questions 
that every day he would tell all of his guys that he was raising up and discipling, I want you to ask these questions. Those questions, they came down to, to seven accountability questions through the years that pastors use. In fact, I use it with some of my guys, my overseers. They ask me these questions. In fact, one of them asked me these questions on Friday, and we went through it, and I asked him the questions right back, and I'm going to give them to you really quick because of time and groups Sunday. But seven weekly accountability questions. If you want these, I can get them to you, or you can take quick pictures for you that are quick on the trigger. Seven weekly accountability questions. Number one, have you been in a compromising situation this week? Number two, have, you, have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Number three, have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Number four, have you spent quality time in Bible study and prayer, encountering God? Have you, have you done that in your life? These are accountability questions. Number five, have you given priority time to your family? What good is a man to gain the whole world but you lose his family in the process, right? Have you given priority time to your family? Number six, have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And then number seven, have you just lied to me? <laughs> And then we start over, right? Seven accountability questions. Hey, it should, you should take heart that your pastor has guys like that in his life that ask those hard questions. We all need somebody in our lives that asks those questions. I'm not saying that you gotta tell everybody your junk, okay? But you gotta tell somebody. We need everybody, if you're the only person that knows your secrets, it, it's not gonna end well for you. We all need, you don't gotta tell everybody, but everybody needs to tell somebody, okay? My name is Jeff, I'm just trying to be your pastor right now, okay? We just, we all need somebody that's in our corner, that they're, they're not gonna hear whatever answers you come up with and beat you up. They may come at you a little bit, which is good, but it's in love and they wanna build you up. All right, I'm running out of time, let me keep going. Number five, number five, number five. Number five, I need people who will pray for me. Jesus had so much pressure on him, and, and, and he needs people to pray for him. John 17, uh, Jesus prays, and it actually, he, John records the prayer. Thank God we get it in Scripture. John records the prayer that Jesus prayed before he gets hauled away to the cross, and he prays this prayer. We have it, John 17, and we're just going to look at these two, and then we're going to land the plane here. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and he prayed. He said, Dad, Father, I'm, I'm, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but I'm praying for those you've given me. And, and when I read that, I'm not praying for the world. Like, does, I mean, that kind of seems odd, right? Like Jesus would pray for the world. But what he's saying is, yeah, he loves the world. He cares for the world, but he knows I'm going to pray for these ones that are close to me because if they're okay, I know that they'll go out and they'll change the world but I'm gonna pray for the ones that are here in my circle, my sphere of influence right now. I'm gonna pray for them, and I know that they're gonna go affect the world. We all need people that are close enough to us that we can say, I need prayer. And we all need to have time where we're going and we're spending time in prayer for others. And I just wanna let you know that the, the group leaders, the Connect Group leaders, when you sign up for a Connect Group today, you're gonna to, you're going to register with your QR code, uh, that we have. You're going to scan it with your phone and you'll see a list of all the groups. You can sign up. We have 12 groups that are going on 
And when you sign up, you register for that group, you're automatically going to get updates as to when that group is happening, any locations, any changes. It's really, really cool. It's, it's, you're going to love it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you stay on task with your calendar where you're not going to be wondering, like, when's the group meeting? Where's it meeting? Who do I call? It's all going to be there for you. But the other benefit that happens is those group leaders, whoever's heading up that, that group, the cycling group, the Rama group, the prayer group, et cetera, they're going to have your name. And my charge to them is that they're going to pray for you daily because I want everybody in our church covered in prayer on a daily basis. My own family, my physical family, I cover my wife and my kids in prayer. Our leaders in the church, I cover you in prayer. But you need somebody calling your name out before the throne of grace praying for your soul. And that group leader is going to do that for you. We need people to pray for us. All right, Kara, Justin, if you guys could come up. We're going to finish here. Ephesians 6.18 says, Prayer is essential. And this ongoing warfare, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and your sisters. So I just want to encourage you, when you go to a group, please don't be shy. Share your prayer request. Group leaders, anybody that that is leading a group, they're going to ask you, hey, can I be praying for you? I'm going to be praying for you anyway. Is there anything in particular I can pray for you about? I'm going to be praying for you anyway. What can I be praying for you about? Be open with them. Be open with them. We're going to cover you in prayer, man. We're going to cover you in prayer. And we're going to see God do miracles. You know, when we started the church, uh, we we started meeting at the beach, and we had these people that would get saved, and then they'd come over to our house. And one of the things that we did... And I I loved it. I was thinking about it today. Uh, We'd have a three-by-five card. People are getting to know each other. It's new, and they're sitting in my living room. You know, they don't really know us. They're coming. They're accepting Jesus. They're learning the Bible. Say, hey, on on one side of the prayer card, just write your name and phone number. And on the other side, just write whatever your prayer request is for this week. And we had two buckets, one for the guys and one for the girls. And the guys would pull a prayer card out from the guys girls would pull one from the girls and it'd have their name and their cell phone number and whatever the prayer request is and all throughout the week that person who pulled it was praying for that prayer request that's what birthed our church so we're not a church that's just like starting connect groups I, I really feel like we're, we're a church of groups <laughs> that we, we meet not only in the temple but we meet from house to house And maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I know I need it. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to put, or I've done that and I've been hurt by that stuff. Yeah, I've done the church thing. I've gone to a group, like my buddy on the sidelines of the football game, right? Man, I can't stand church. (laughs) Can't stand that. Can I just encourage you? God loves you and he wants to bring healing to that area of your life. The church, it's, it's crazy, but usually we get healed from church hurt, from church. <laughs> we, we get healed from hurt from a pastor, a wound from a pastor, through a pastor, we get healed. We get healed from hurts from other people through prayers of people. And there's people in this room that truly care about you. If you'll take time and open up your life, they're opening their life up to you. You know, Moses was this mighty man of God did all these awesome things. He came back. He led millions of people out of bondage in Egypt, right? Took his staff, the Red Sea parts. It's awesome. 
But there's a battle that happens and Moses is the leader at that time. And when the battle happens, Joshua is down fighting the battle and Moses is holding his arms up. And as long as his arms are up, they're winning the battle. But man, the battle's going long. It's lasting longer than Moses thought it was gonna last. And so his father-in-law and his brother roll a boulder up and they said, here, just sit, 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 sit down, sit down. We're gonna hold your hands up. You, you sit down and rest. You just have a moment. In this season, maybe you just need to rest. Just have a seat. We got you. We got this, bro. You're gonna be all right. And they just raised his hands. And when he didn't have the strength to fight, they were fighting for him. That's the beauty of groups. So we're gonna end today. And I'm gonna pray. And then we're gonna dismiss. I just wanna ask you, in your life, do you need to open up? You've been trying to fight on your own. And God right now is just telling you, hey, in this season, I want you to take a seat. <laughs> I want you to let people wash your feet. I, I want you to let people love in you. There's people that'll protect you. I want you just to receive from me. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you put the lonely into families. You gather the scattered. God, just as the New Testament church met in the temples for worship, they went from house to house and group. So Lord, all the different groups that are available today, people opening their lives and their calendars and giving time and talent and resources. God, would you help us connect? Help us connect with each other, God. Help us to be that friend and help us to find that friend. God, help us to connect with that family that has that, that they run in the same lane. They, 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 they're raising their kids like we want to raise our kids. They, they, they got the same values, God. Help me find that group of friends, God. I don't want to go through 2021 and into 2022 alone, God. I, I, I need people. I'm seeing that I need people. I need men in my life. Or maybe you need women in your life. You need, you need people in your life. God, thank you, Father, for drawing us together as a family of God. Holy Spirit, quicken to us right now. Areas where we need to rest and relax in you. And we pray that you would lead us to groups and lead us to those relationships, God. That we won't do life alone. God, lead us to incredible godly relationships. That we can fulfill all our potential that you have for us in this season. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.